Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. Here we discuss ideas, experiences, and share stories about L&D-specific topics. I'm Shannon Tipton, owner of Learning Rebels, where we strategically fix training that's broken and develop workplace learning that delivers desired business results. Today, the cool kids are talking about encouraging a creative culture within organizations. When it comes to creativity, as L&D professionals, we often think about being creative in a meeting or in a classroom. But how can we encourage creativity as a culture? Yes, I know, I know. L&D doesn't create nor does it own organizational culture. But here's the deal. We can support it, we can nurture it, and at times we can help turn the tide. But that means being aware of what is happening outside our own L&D box. Building relationships across departments is the first step to allowing creativity to flourish and providing building blocks for creating a safe place to share all the creative ideas. Now, the big question on the table today is, how can we help unleash the full creative potential of not only ourselves, but the workforce? So, without further ado, let's get to it. Here we are, another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat on this glorious Friday, where we are talking about unleashing our creativity We just spent some time in a breakout room where we were getting to know each other a little bit more and we're playing get to know you bingo, a little bit of a creative way to break open the brain and kind of unleash some of our creative brain cells. And I look forward to seeing what everybody has come up with. I know in the room that I visited, everybody was like very competitive. We had some competitiveness here. I would love, if you got a bingo in your room, first off, I want to know about it. So be sure and share that in the chat. But also send your name and your mailing address to Anne in the direct messages so we can gather that up. And I'll look forward to sending some books out out of our book grab bag. You had a bingo in room three, Thomas. Excellent. Well, in this case, it's going to have to be as an individual because as a team, it's going to be difficult to share the book. Part of the book to you, another part of the book to you. But I love that it's a team effort. You have four team bingos. Nice. Now, what was the interesting thing that you guys discovered about each other? Who would like to come off mic and share something that you you found really interesting about someone in your group? There's definitely individuals who I can recall who've been here multiple times, like me, maybe even more times than me. And I think that Amy is one of the individuals who, like, I just constantly remember seeing Amy's name, but I'm I'm not necessarily aware of Amy, obviously, as a, a person. 
because we we don't always get to hear each other depending on what we're talking about. And I learned that uh, Amy is extremely competitive and that's just something you wouldn't know unless you have an environment that helps to kind of bubble up some of those things about us. So that I, I thought that was very cute because as soon as we we got in, Amy was just, she's like, let's go. I got this, I got this, I got this. <laughs> she just started us off and it was just a really great way to, to get it rolling. So that was awesome. I mean, next time we need to do a scavenger hunt and set Amy loose. I wanted the prize. <laughs> a good book is always good to have. That's right. And uh, Jennifer says, Cindy and our group has a YouTube channel. Cindy Mendez, do you have a YouTube channel? I do. I It's a podcast that we put on YouTube um, for women in the workplace called Let Me Interrupt. Um, but I also learned during our group that we had two Cindy's and we were both first time attendees. So that was nice. That is nice. So we've got the numbers. We've got, you know, comfort in numbers there. I love it. And I love the title of the podcast too. We are going to have to check it out. So everybody, if you have a link to it, go ahead and put it into the chat. And I'm sure that others will love to check it out. And so now let me ask you, when it comes to unleashing creativity within yourself and also within your organization, how can exercises like what we just did help? And so thinking outside of your standard icebreaker type mode, what are some of the attributes of what we just did that can be transferable when we think about organizational culture and using creativity within an organization? I think a lot of times creativity is other people with similarities and differences coming together and collaborating. So taking the time to get to know people helps you understand how you can better connect with someone and work together um, to unleash that creativity. I might think of something that's a good idea. You might think of something that's a good idea, but when we put it together, we're able to brainstorm something even better. Yeah, because once we start to get to know each other a little bit, it's hard to go up to a stranger and think, oh, well, what are your creative thoughts? And so as an organization, sometimes we become so siloed that it's hard and it doesn't feel as safe to be able to put those thoughts out there when you don't know each other and when you're not familiar with each other's work. Katrina? I found it interesting too that in our group, as we had begun to match up some of our common things, we became more comfortable with challenging things. Like what is Christmas shopping? Is that a list that Jen had? Or is that actually purchasing something? And if you purchased it ahead of time, but it was kind of for Halloween, does that matter? So I think that you step into a place where you challenge. And then as Jessica said, you begin to build on each other's ideas, but you have to have that initial connection to make it happen. I work with a lot of finance folks and some are creative, but a lot of them seem to have limiting beliefs that they can't possibly be, you know, creative because they're analytical, you know, and they pride themselves on that. So it's always interesting because where I work, we're always talking about innovation and moving forward and, and they seem to like block on creativity and then, so they can't get to innovation. So um, I'm really getting a lot out of this uh, particular session to, to understand mm -hmm. how else we can do that. And I try to show them in 
super little snippets and make it about me. And I say, this is how I work and hopefully inspire them <laughs> to do it. But uh, it's it's always a, an interesting thing on how do you approach it and how do you get others to to tap into that creativity. I love that. And that goes exactly with what Thomas wrote in the chat, which is everyone has a different version of what creativity means to them. And we've had these conversations in the past. You know, one person's creativity may be somebody else's boring day, you know. So maybe the accountant has figured out a new way, you know, to do X, Y, Z. And for them, that's creative. For me, that's like, what? You know, so everybody's got that different idea. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we face in our industry as well. Sometimes being a government contractor, working with a lot of people who are very engineering focused, you think that sometimes and it does lead itself to some innovation. But I think I, I like that example of some people can have limiting beliefs about what they see as creativity. And I love what you said, Shannon, too, about that safety piece and how that ties into the exercise that we did. I'm a huge proponent of psychological safety. I think it's absolutely a precursor for innovation and that you need to be able to have trust with each other before you can really be able to continue to bring up new ideas, bring creativity, have have that safety to fail, you know, and have that safety to be questioned or to bring up a new idea. So I think definitely trust is a big part of that to be able to uh, have creativity. Yeah, absolutely. And if we go back into our Coffee Chat archives, we had a wonderful conversation about psychological safety a few months back, you know, and it really is about helping people see their creativity as part of their own unique DNA, you know, and how then can we bubble that up? And I'm seeing in the chat, which is really great, Thank you, everybody, for putting your ideas in the chat because you guys do get this chat transcript, by the way. Design thinking, you know, the IDEO style, and that's really great. Um, I went to a session actually with Myra, and Myra, by the way, is doing our part two for learning analytics, generative AI edition part two. And our next coffee chat, by the way, is going to be about creative problem solving. And we're going to talk about design thinking and all those other good things on our next coffee chat here in two weeks. So you can bookmark that where all of this is going to go hand in hand. And I love what um, what's going on here with, yeah, research supports drawing individually helps spur creative thinking. And that was something that was really brought forward with our Learn Something New with Rachel Burnham, uh, which was a few months back. and really understanding who you are from a creative perspective, how can we help people feel safe to share their creative thoughts? How can we encourage those creative thoughts? And I think this is where I'd like the conversation to go now is how can we help people realize that you might be that accountant, you might be that IT guy, but you have creative thoughts and abilities and those creative thoughts and abilities have an important place in every organization. So what is our role? How can we help nurture that? One of the ideas I really loved, um, we have masterclass at work and uh, Sarah Blakely who founded Spanx. Um, every time she comes into a, um, a like quarterly meeting, she has a big oops. So it's like, what was like a huge mistake someone made and what did everyone learn from it? Cause it creates Ooh, this like that. really um, exciting, like, there's a mistake, we learned from it, and like people are striving. So it like 
supports like those creative risks that uh, a lot of people are afraid to take. I love that, especially when leadership puts themselves out there, right? And then you feel safe to say, ooh, this is what I did too. But most importantly, what we're learning from it, you know, is that part of the conversation too, Ted? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. So like, yeah, not just like, this is a big failure, but like, what do we learn from it? How did it drive us forward? And like, you know, failures aren't all bad, basically. So just like helping people feel safe to push themselves a little bit. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. What a great idea. Wendy. Well, I was wondering, and, and knowing there's so many creative people out there, this probably already exists, but the first thing that occurred to me when you said that was, is there a Maslow's hierarchy of needs for creativity? Like, I feel like the first level is everybody needing to feel safe and respected and, you know, like you need food and water and that kind of thing, you know? There are some jobs where I I don't think I would have ever offered one idea of creativity just because I didn't feel, you know, whatever the reasons were. And then there's been other ones where I'm like, I will give you more, probably more than you want. And obviously there are differences between those two that made that happen. So, well, I love it. And I'm sure that there are articles. I know that there are articles out there about, you know, what are some of the foundational needs for underpinning a creative environment, but I'd love to see that in a graphic. I'm sure that's out there somewhere, you know, so now you got me thinking about it and I'm going to have to hit the, you know, YouTube machine, see what it shares with me. I think you're right. And I think what it happens here is that it leads to the question of what if you have an organization that is kind of stodgy, you know, that is not set up for not necessarily not supporting creative thinking, but just that it's not in its culture, right? So it's not a matter of if you work for an organization that really discourages creative thinking, well, then, you know, that's what LinkedIn is for. But I think for the most part, organizations, it's not as though that it comes from a bad place. It's just that, you know, we're lawyers, we're an IT firm, you know, so creative thinking might not necessarily be something that is upfront for them. So how can we continue then to put creativity up front? So Katrina? Kind of going back to the question about the hierarchy, Dr. Epstein, who or Epstein, who has a really unfortunate name, he has done the most research that I've ever found on creativity. And so I'm going to put a link, has this quiz that you can take. It's a little old and looks a little dated. He defines four habits that we can do that, that creative people do. And he based it on research. He's a phenomenal researcher. And I think these are the four things that we could really foster in our organizations. I'm kind of obsessed with it. That's why I'm I'm sharing it. This is one of my favorite topics. I love it. And that is this month's theme within the community, too. It's all about creativity and creative thinking within the um, Learning Rebels community. So anything that you can share, fabulous. All right. My creativity skills. Awesome. Or if you offered a creative idea that was immediately shot down. Right. That's very true. And I was in a man, maybe let me set the stage a little bit further, is I remember many, many moons ago, I was in a meeting and a very precarious CEO. And I was sitting there with all the other senior leaders and he had asked a question about how can we improve sales and, you know, our marketing efforts, et cetera. And somebody came up with an idea and he was like, no, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. And he said it you know, kind of like that, just the way that I did. So he was like half joke, half serious. But then he wonders why people don't contribute, right? 
because they're afraid that if they say something that he's not going to like, he's just going to brush it off. So why say anything anyway, right? And that's not something that you do on purpose. I had to take him aside afterwards and go, "Mm, maybe not do that in the future. And he's like, oh, people know how I am. No, that doesn't count. You know, so I think part of it is realizing language that we use, the actions that we take, the way we hold ourselves, you know, to encourage that back and forth. Jessica? What best practices can y'all share if I wanted to create a cohort of learners, you know, with a, with a really flexible format, but how can I help them or create sort of a template for them to very quickly create a sense of belonging within their small group so that those discussions can be more vulnerable, more creative, more authentic? So how can we begin to tear down some of those walls? I think activities like we did at the beginning here certainly help, you know, and you can think of a different way to phrase that if activities is not the thing, you know, that your people like. We did something like after lunch, we were trying to do something uh, after our, this is when we had live meetings and we'd always try and find some kind of like an icebreaker instead of being in the morning, we would do it in the afternoon as a group. And, you know, like your comment about the uh, the CEO or somebody saying that they're not going to participate. Well, everyone in the group had to participate, managers, uh, VPs, whoever happened to be in the meetings. But the point was, is that you would create some kind of an exercise, anything from uh, asking questions to uh, balloon games to uh, the squish ball toss, things to get them going. And they all had to participate. And we made up different, we, you know, we played different twists to it. For example, uh, one of the things was uh, you had to uh, write on a card during the morning and you had to put down three things. Two of them were lies and one is the truth. People would have to guess who that person is and I would be the facilitator and I'd hold the card so I knew. And it was so much fun to get people trying to guess who's the person who did this or who's the person who did that. And even some of the, the lies they would make were enjoyable. And that kind of broke down some of those uh, barriers. And again, we I also had the same thing with the similar upper management. Well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, you told, no, nope, you know, if you're a team member, then you're a team member. I don't care, you know, if you're the janitor or the CEO type of thing, you're in it. Because people would walk away from that going, I never knew that. I never knew about you. I didn't, you know, you were a singer. You're in a rock band. You're, you know, those kind of things come out of it. Just opens up such a, a much more of a relaxed atmosphere for the rest of the day, too. So it's amazing how much more you get done in the afternoon than you probably did in the morning. Yes, absolutely. And I, I agree with premise here. The premise is to build connections. I'll give an example for myself a long time ago. And this is before we had like smartphones that do everything that they do now. But I think the application is still really good is the breakout. We used to take Polaroids of everybody. And so we took Polaroids of all of the, in this case, it was the leadership development class. Um, So we took Polaroids of everybody. We put them all on the board and then they each wrote an interesting factoid about themselves. And then we put it into a hat. And then the job was to see if we could match the person with the fact by the time our class was over. Why couldn't we do that now with departments, with senior leadership? If your organization is small enough, maybe within your the entirety of your organization, and you could do this virtually too, right? So you could put 
their pictures on a menti board or on a mural board and you can have something that lives and they can add the, the factoid that way. So you could do that live as well as Memorex, I guess. I agree with you, Tom. It's about if I can just find that one little connection piece, like you guys did when we came into this room today, if we can find that one little connection piece. So some of you now know that I spend way too much time on James Bot trivia. Now you guys all know that about me. So now we know one additional thing about somebody and it makes it that much easier to have those creative conversations or actions. Oh, I like that, Katrina. I see in the chat, virtually you could change your name to something you are proud of, a favorite thing you do, or something along those lines. Yeah, you could. Like everybody change their name to your favorite color, you know, or your favorite flower or something. And then you can see who has what in common. I love that idea. Sean Connery. You just changed your name to Sean Connery. And that's awesome. <laughs> All right, so, so there you go. So there's an idea. So when you think about different techniques, it's easy to think icebreakers for meetings. Let's try to expand that out. The example that Thomas just gave and that I just gave easily, I think, could be an organizational activity. So now what else can we do to help our organizations become closer and subsequently then more open to creative and innovative thought? With me being over at the um, with at USC right now, one of the things that USC did that has nothing to do with creativity, but again, this is like I think how creativity can be spawned from things that are seemingly not connected. So I think it reminds us too about like where are there other places and spaces to put yourself. Due to me attending a personal culture network event, I connected with an individual who was in the Department of Public Safety, which ironically then ended up helping me out, but just a project that I was working on. And in being able to work together, again, thinking, you know, broadening our perspective of creativity, his ability of allowing me to grab access to data that I needed to be able to make something accessible helped the creative process. And even in talking to him, he was like, wow, DPS hasn't thought of those particular issues. I want to take that up to, you know, in our chain of command. And I want to let them know what you're sharing with me as far as like how a map is being presented to show a border of what we patrol. And so that was even him being able to be creative and thinking differently in how they present their information. So I'm wondering like if companies have those ERGs, you know, or if there's an opportunity for you to look to see if there's ways to put yourself into um, a diverse group. There may be some companies that don't offer that, but just thinking about that as a reminder of us getting out of also our comfort zones and finding places to put ourselves where we would maybe not necessarily encounter um, other types of individuals. I like that. Yeah. You know, so if you can not go to IT only when you have a problem, right? Go to them just to say hello or to have lunch or buy them a pizza or something along those lines, which can, again, foster those relationships, which I think fostering a relationship and that safe environment is what's going to propel innovative thinking within organizations and creative thinking within ourselves, right? You got to step out of your box in order to think outside the box. Ooh, how's that for a little cold? All right. Any other ideas? 
involving end user data. Yes. Yeah. I think the end user data becomes critical. Again, it's about knowing who your audience is, know who you're around, know how they, how they respond to certain things. So Cindy, absolutely. Uh, Wendy. I have been blessed in the last couple of months with a meeting a gentleman. Um, he works at Activision uh, and he's in learning and development, you know, so of course I'm all over, you know, we're like, we have just great discussions and he's brought up this a couple of times and I'm like, I'm so jealous. Well, one, you work at Activision, um, but he actually goes and talks to the level designers to get some ideas for like trainings and different things like that, because he's like, what is that? What is level design? You know, what is a quest design? You know, so he's talking to those folks to get ideas for training. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. That's so great. I mean, you know, just to get out of his normal, what he would normally do. I'm like, that's, that's a great idea. He's like, I've done that several times and it's always fun. And I'm building those relationships. Yes, absolutely. And we had that great conversation with Kevin, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Thorne, you know, about educational comics and, you know, just thinking, I think sometimes with us is just thinking or trying to think in a different way. And I know that it's cliche to say that, just think differently. Okay. But what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, so maybe it's your original idea. I have an idea for X, Y, Z. Okay. So now that's good. Let's put that aside. Now let's think of a different idea. So how many ideas can we generate, even if they're crazy, out of the box, silly, whatever, right? And so you start just generating ideas and it's not just a brainstorming exercise with yourself, but it's ideation, you know? So let's take that to entirely different levels. And then how can we then push that outward and encourage that sort of introspectiveness, if you will, you know, to other departments and other areas of the business, right? A wrong answers only activity works. Yes, Jason. So Jason, you want to um, explain what a wrong answers only activity is? I knew the moment I started to type that you would ask me to explain it. I've only done it in person where at your table or whatever, you have an object and you have to figure out what does this thing do, but you can't actually say what it does. You know, it can't be if you have a mouse. You can't say, you know, this is a computer mouse. You have to come up with any other, anything else that it might be able to do based off of what it looks like or what you think it might be able to do. So it just gets people really thinking outside of it. And along what you were saying as well, Shannon, one thing that I force some other people that are going to go accountants and engineers is when they start talking about, well, this, this, and this, I'm like, okay, wait, don't just tell me about it. Sketch it out, draw it out and start making them think about how they disseminate information and outside of just, well, I'm just going to type, write a white paper. Show me a picture that says what you're doing. Find these things, you know, make them really think about what they're, what they're doing out there. Right. And it's that old, it goes back to that old um, sales moment. So they teach this a lot in sales. Here's a pencil. Give me a hundred ways, you know, to sell this pencil without selling me this pencil. Yeah. And I, I saw that in sales a lot. But here's what I'd like you guys to do. I want you guys to think, and don't put it in the chat. Just take a moment. I want you to think. You can write it down if you want to. Think of your favorite ways to inspire creativity. Try to keep it short. One, two words, one sentence at the most. The different ways that you like to inspire creativity. I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about that. 
once you have a, a one or two written down, I'd like you to type it into the chat, but do not hit send yet. Do that. Just write it in the chat. And when I tell you to hit send, that's when you'll hit send. Okay, everybody got it into the chat? Right now, hit send. Okay, what have we got? Milla notes, sticky notes, brainstorming, post-it notes, drawing it out, communicate with others. 20 questions in four minutes. Oh, I need to know more about that one. Ask what else, right? Work a problem. Yes, all of these sorts of things and everybody else, please put into the chat, share in the chat your favorite technique for inspiring creative thinking. You guys are all a bunch of L&D professionals. You should have at least one up your sleeve. Be open, asking people to tell me what their vision is. I like that. Activity generating questions or problems, yes. Is there a particular activity you like for mindfulness? That's a good one. That's a good question. Magic wines questions. See, all of this stuff. Now, what we're going to have to do is, I'm glad I put this in the chat because now I'm going to have to hit the Google machine. And when we talk about particular activities for mindfulness, I'll have to write that up in a follow-up because right now we are at the top of the hour, believe it or not. Time flies when you're having fun. And I think sometimes with mindfulness, it's just a matter of creating space, right? And putting, you know, when they come into a virtual room like this, maybe you have some green noise. Maybe you have a video of rolling water or nature showing. Rather than just jumping into a, a conversation like this, give them an opportunity to create that space to be able to take that deep breath you know, and become prepared. Maybe you have one question on the screen and you have this beautiful background, you know, to give people an opportunity to clear their minds and think about that question, right? Okay, so coming up next, we've got Myra Roldan, our Learn Something New, which is next week, her part two on generative AI. So the last time she was with us, she walked us through some basics like chat GPT, et cetera. So now she's going to go deeper into generative AI and show us, you know, tools that can help us write learning objectives, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So all of that's going to be there. It's on the Learning Rebels website. You can find that under our Learn Something New. So we're really looking forward to taking that conversation to a new level. Like I said, our next coffee chat, for those of you who are new, they're not every week, every other week. So not next week, the week after. It's going to be about creative problem solving. And in this one, we're going to take a different approach. I'm going to ask you to bring a challenge with you, right? And we're going to put you into groups and see what we could do as far as creative problem solving, maybe with some of your challenges. So I think that's going to be something different and fun. And hopefully some of you can walk away with potential solutions to some of the challenges that you're facing. And then don't forget about the Learning Rebels community. So we have our Learning Rebels community where this month the learning theme is about creative thinking and where we post, we have some research going on. We just had a very robust month last month about learning technologies, which generated a whole other subtopic about learning tools or generative AI tools. So uh, so yeah, there's that. And so things are going very active there in the Learning Rebels community. And I'd love to see some of you all there. On that note, I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend planned. I know, Anne, you are, Anne, Sean Connery, I know that you are planning to try to stay cool. Anne is in Houston where it's over 100 degrees right now. 
Well, I, I'm in Dallas at the moment, but Houston oh, is a, with the humidity, right? It makes it even worse. But yes, it's. Uh, I was telling Shannon, I had to go walk the dog this morning while it was still only 89 degrees instead of 105. I know, right? Thank you, Katrina. No, no, and, and more no. I will take a Midwest winter over a West Coast summer any day of the week. Any day of the week, yes. Oh, you're going to go see a uh, um, a what movie, Wendy? Studio Ghibli. I don't know like, what that is. Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, um, Howl's Moving Castle. Um, they, they do Ghibli Fest every year, and you go see the movies in the theater. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Well, this was fun. And left out of the recording today was how we kicked off our chat. This is because we went into breakout rooms. We played getting to know each other bingo. And I know it may seem like an unconnected activity, but there was a method behind the madness. In order for us to bring our creative best, it helps to build connections first. Even the first spark of commonality creates a tentative bond where we are a little less afraid to share ideas. And the bingo card encouraged conversations within the breakout rooms that were a little silly, a bit competitive, and the discovery that someone has their own podcast called Let Me Interrupt, and the link to that is in the show notes below. To me, the activity displayed that we are all creative in our own way and that when we reach across departments, we can find others who can and should be contributing their creative thoughts to the L&D conversation. The next differentiator for organizations will not be its product, but the creative minds within that organization and the ideas shared here can help us help the business to propel those thoughts forward. There was a lot of information shared and the resources can be found in the show notes below. Want to join us live? And you know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com, check out the events page and sign on up. And don't forget to check out the Learning Rebels community where you can have an opportunity to build your knowledge and capabilities while connecting with other cool L&D professionals. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.